Let's read these verses that uh, are the foundation of our sermon series, Devoted, Acts 2 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, last week we looked at the they in this passage, and I focused in on this word they and repeated it and talked about it over and over again. But this they is so important for us to understand who is they that they are talking about? Who is the they that devoted themselves? The they in these, in these verses is the early church. And that early church was made up of the disciples. It was made up of the followers of Jesus, and it was made up of the people who heard the good news of Jesus on Pentecost, who believed and were baptized on that day. This is the day that we are talking about, and this is significant for us to understand as we get into these words that we're looking at today, because this new group of people, this they, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, and these people who repented and were baptized and believed and who became a part of this church family became a family that captivated the people around them with the way that they lived and with what they believed. And that's important for us as well because we belong to that family. We belong to that family as a local body of believers here in Indianapolis in this community. And we are called to be the kind of people like that who are captivating the people around us with the things that we believe, with the way that we live, and the kind of family that we are. Now, I wanted us to focus on this passage today because as we've walked through Acts from Easter to Pentecost, as we looked at the early foundational beliefs of the church, I wanted us to come to this point because I wanted us to see the way that Easter and Pentecost and the early beliefs of these people created and empowered and, 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 and set the foundation for the kind of family they are. Why did they captivate the people around them? Because I think it's important as we look at the birth of the early church, as we think about the way that they captivated others, we need to think about that as we look at the rebirth of our own church and who are we called to be and how do we captivate people around us. We don't make up a new way of being the church. The way of the being the church is found here and it's found through us by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, teaching us the way of Jesus. And as we live out that way, we live out the way of this early church who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I love this passage. I could sit here and I could read this passage over and over again because this passage just has this way of sort of breaking into the book of Acts in such a unique way. See, the book of Acts is a fast-moving book. It moves quickly from scene to scene to scene to scene. And it, in just a very short amount of words, in, in, a, in a book that would take you about two hours to read, about the time of a movie, ten years is covered. 
And he just moves from point to point to point to point to point. And so Luke, the author who wrote Luke and who also wrote Acts, he has this tendency of writing this history like this, just taking us quickly through each scenario. But in this passage, it's almost as if Luke just takes a pause. And sometimes I feel like I understand what Luke is doing here because I have a tendency to do this. I move quickly through things. I move to the next thing. I'm always on the move. But he takes a moment here. He just pauses. He reflects. He takes a moment to breathe it in. This is something I tell us to do a lot because it's something that I need to tell myself to do. Just stop, breathe, and take in the moment. And that's what he does here. These verses feel like he's looking around, he's asking and and taking the time to ask, what is happening around me? What is happening around me in this moment? Now, I had this experience this week, as I told you, we went on our, our first family vacation in like two years, and we went down to Holiday World, and we had the same experience where we were moving from thing to thing, from fast, from one thing to, the, to another thing. We had this great opportunity where we went to the parks, there were hardly anybody there, it was so hot, and everybody was in the water park, or nobody was doing the rides, it was just, it was the middle of the week, so we just had this opportunity to quickly move from thing to thing to thing, and we said... And we made this point as a family that as we enjoyed Holiday World, as we went on these rides, that we were going to take moments just to breathe, to just let the day come to us, to not miss the memories that we are making. And that's such a significant thing for all of us. Don't miss the memories that you are making. And so as we're going along, we get to the last day that we're there, and we come to the Raven, which is why I bought my shirt, because it's my favorite uh, wooden roller coaster. It's probably my favorite roller coaster in the entire world. It's so incredible, absolutely amazing. And we go to the ride, and there were all these places that were open to just, just walk on onto the ride. But we said, hey, let's just wait for the front. Let's sit in the front car of this ride today. And so we waited, and there were a couple rides that went before us. And then our girls went and sat in the very front of the very first car on this ride. Jill and I sat behind them. And in that moment, our camera had already been put away. And I said, hey, girls, turn around. And I said, I want to take a mental picture of this memory. I want to take a mental picture of this moment. I don't want to forget what is happening right here because this is too special. And so I clicked my mental camera, and and I'm sure you've done this before, and I sat there, and I can still see that. I can see Maggie turned around and smiling at me. I can see Emily turned around and smiling at me. I can see the track sitting there in front of them. And it's just this perfect mental picture, this moment that I just didn't want to forget and that I will never forget. And that's what this passage feels like to me, and that's how I want us to read it. It feels like Luke doesn't want to forget this. It feels so personal. He's saying, look, look, I don't want to forget what happened here. I don't want to forget this beautiful picture of the early church. We can get so focused on moving so fast and getting into all of these other things, but we need to stop. We need to stop and be reminded of this beautiful picture. In this in these, these uh, five verses here, as he paints this beautiful picture, he gives us what are called these four marks of the church. So there's the identifiers, these things that described what the early church looked like. And then 
from there, he begins to give a bigger description of that, but he starts with these four marks, these four distinct characteristics of the early church. So listen to this again and listen to these four marks. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we're going to take time looking at each one of these marks because these four marks, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, go together. And you can't leave one out without damage to the whole thing. And why this is important is because it's so easy for us. It's easy for us as people, it's easy for us as the church to allow one of these things to fall away, to focus on one, two, three, and allow another one to disappear, maybe focus on just one and all three disappear. But the thing is, we need to focus on all four of these because these define this captivating church community. And we begin today with this one, where we find this word, apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, when I read this, I always ask questions. I always say, what is the question that first comes to mind when I read a text? And the first text I has was, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I wondered, the apostles' teaching? Why didn't Luke say they devoted themselves to Jesus' teaching? Why did they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? Well, what's that about? What's happening here? Well, one of my favorite authors and scholars, N.T. Wright, says this about the apostles' teaching. He says, Where no attention is given to teaching and to constant lifelong Christian learning, people quickly revert to the worldview or mindset of the surrounding culture and end up with minds shaped by whichever social pressures are most persuasive. With Jesus somewhere around as a pale influence or memory. And what N.T. Wright is saying here is if we aren't devoted to learning about Jesus, we'll fill that space with something else. See, the apostles' teaching was the teaching of Jesus because the apostles has sat at the feet of Jesus as he taught them. And then he told them, now you are going to go and teach others what I have taught you. And so we get these, the, we, we have the, the great benefit that we come after this, that we get the books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. We get Paul that writes all of this teaching. But these are people who had the firsthand knowledge of Jesus' teaching and began to teach these others. They didn't have the Bible yet, the New Testament, because they were busy writing the New Testament and writing down the teaching of Jesus. And they did that as they taught. And the reason they taught was because it matters. They wanted to focus people on the teaching of Jesus so that they could be like Jesus. And if we don't focus our lives on the teaching of Jesus, we're going to fill it with all kinds of other things. And what N.T. Wright is saying is that Jesus might end up there somewhere because we believe in Jesus, but if we don't focus on Jesus, Jesus will just end up there somewhere, but Jesus won't be the primary lens by which we see the world. And one of the biggest ways that this is apparent today is through something called Christian nationalism. 
It's where politics, ideology, and an uncritical view of history get tied into faith and end up conflating national identity with Christian identity. And people say, look, Jesus is in there somewhere, but Jesus is only a flavor that, that, is, that is not the primary. The primary ends up being politics. It becomes ideology. It becomes something else, and Jesus simply becomes a slogan. And while we can point to that one specific thing, we can do that with almost anything. I laugh about this, but when I grew up, you know, we had Christian music, or we have Christian books, or we have Christian movies, and we sort of make Jesus sort of the slogan that attaches to something, but is he the primary thing? Or are we simply attaching Jesus to a thing, then he ends up not being the primary thing. He ends up not being our Savior and our Lord. And what N.T. Wright is saying is that the focus has to be on Jesus, and everything comes after Jesus. But he is our Savior and our Lord. He is our Messiah. The teaching and the way of Jesus colors everything else and not the other way around. See, it's so easy for our beliefs about Jesus to be shaped by our beliefs about other things that we set aside or form Jesus into whatever box we want to fit our lives into rather than having our lives formed by Jesus. So let me explain that again because I think this is so important for us. It's easy for us to create a box and put Jesus into that box. The box that we have set our lives. We say, this is my life. I'm going to place Jesus into that box rather than Jesus creating the box within which we set our lives. All of that gets us back to this important focus today that we find on the apostles' teaching. Why does he say they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? We talked about devoting mean to have a primary focus, to have a center thing, to say that this is the primary thing in my life. Now, there are all sorts of other things in our lives. We get that. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, into prayer. They had school. They had jobs. They had relationships. They had families. But all of those things were the rest of their life. And these are the things that they devoted themselves to so that their lives were focused on the way of Jesus. Now, this word apostle is a, is a fascinating word. And you know that I love to talk about the words that we find in Scripture because they usually help us to understand what it is we're reading. And this word apostle comes from a Greek word, apostolos. And it's one of those words we talked about before. This is important. This is a transliteration. And when you see a transliteration, what that typically means is that the translators, the people who took the scripture from Greek and brought it into our vernacular, in this case into English, they saw this word and rather than translating it directly, they made a new word from the Greek word. We've talked about this word before with um, the word baptizo. Baptizo is a great example of this. I can baptizo vegetables later today. I can take my vegetables and I can dunk them, I can clean them in the water, and then I can eat those vegetables. I can baptizo them. But baptizo in my vegetables isn't the same thing as when someone goes into the waters of baptism and comes out representing their new life. So to simply say to wash or to cleanse, this doesn't have the same meaning. 
So they look at that word and they say, there's something holy about it. There's something special about that word. Let's make a new word out of it so we don't miss, so we don't miss the meaning and the power of that word. That's important to understand the literal meaning, but we also have to understand there's a special meaning. And that's what's happening here. They took this word apostolos and they said, there's something happening here. The word literally means messenger or someone who is sent, but they say there's something else going on. It means something else. Now, the apostles historically were what the 12 disciples of Jesus were referred to. They were the apostles. They were the disciples. After the death and the resurrection of Jesus, after Pentecost, they went and they taught. They were messengers. They were someone who was sent. These followers went and they shared the good news of Jesus. And in that way, we are all called to be apostles. As followers of Jesus, we're called to look ahead as we follow Jesus and to then to look behind and help others along in that journey of following Jesus. In that way, we are disciples making disciples making disciples. And as we make disciples, then we, we function, we serve as messengers, sent people to go and share the good news of Jesus, functioning as apostles. So why not just call it messengers? Why not call it sent people? Why use apostolos and why transliterate it? Well, when we look at the scripture, we also see that apostle is a distinct calling. In Matthew 28, Jesus specifically sent out those disciples closest to him with a mission. Listen to the words that he used here. Jesus said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, now listen to this command, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And here's the important word, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, these disciples were given specific instructions here by Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. And then he has this command for them to teach them to obey everything that he had commanded them. They sat at the feet of Jesus, learned from their master. Some people say they were covered in the dust of their rabbi as they followed him. They were in a special position to be able to share and teach the way of Jesus to others. So this becomes here a very specific calling to teach the way of Jesus to others. But it doesn't stop with these disciples. We are all given gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this in a letter that he wrote to Ephesus, and N.T. Wright that we read earlier translate these verses like this. He shows us that an apostle is not just these apostles, but is a role and a gifting that continues today. Listen to how it says this. It says, So these were the gifts that he gave. Some were to be apostles, other prophets, others evangelists, and others pastors and teachers. Their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for their work of service. And so to build up the king's body. The purpose of this is that we should all reach unity in our belief and loyalty and in knowing God's son. Then we shall reach the stature of the mature man, 
measured by the standards of the king's fullness. Now, the king in these verses is referring to Jesus. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is the king who we serve. It is not our kingdom. It is his kingdom that we belong to and the kingdom that we seek. And what N.T. Wright, as he translates this, what Paul says here in Ephesus is that some were given to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers so that all of us who belong to the family of God can grow in our faith. And just like those four marks of the church we talked about, when we are missing these apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and teachers, and, and, and when we are missing these pieces, we're missing something significant in the life of the church. So there is a calling here for people to be apostles. Alan Hirsch, a leader and author, defines the gifting of apostles like this. I love this. He says, apostles extend the gospel. Apostles extend the gospel. As the sent ones, they ensure that the faith is transmitted from one context to another and from one generation to the next. Going back to Matthew 28, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So Alan Hirsch builds on that and says, look, they're called as sent ones to transmit the good, transmit the good news of Jesus, to translate the good news of Jesus to all these nations, all these people they encounter. They're given the gift of being able to share the good news of Jesus that connects with the culture and the context that they need today. This is significant for us. After the pandemic, we have really shifted as a culture probably 10 years into the future. And it's going to take apostles who are able to look at the good news of Jesus and share it in a way that connects with our context and our culture today. So this is a special calling as he's talking about here, transmitting from one context to another and from one generation to the next. As I wrote in my notes, I wrote it this way. As the early church was born, the apostles made sure the message of Jesus was shared with the world, contextualized, and made real in the lives of those who chose to follow Jesus. See, it would have been easy on Pentecost to have this incredible experience that we read about. <laughs> Tongues of fire, sounds of a blowing wind, you know, just the excitement of that moment, of that worship, of that experience. Those disciples, those people could have looked back on that experience and they could have just focused on that. And the church could have been stuck at that amount of people who said, hey, we had this experience back then. We had this experience with God in that place. But see, the apostles look at it and say, we look at that moment and we see that this is a calling to share this with others, to explain it to others, give meaning to it, to help others to learn and grow in the way of Jesus. And that's why this is such an important and a special calling. As they shared the good news of Jesus, they focused on the essentials of the faith. They invited others to form their lives around Jesus. And so again, think about this. It's so easy for us to form our lives around something else. Sometimes we need help. We need the teaching of Jesus to be contextualized to help us to see how does my life today in 2022, how can it be formed by the way of Jesus instead of simply just taking Jesus and assigning it to my life? See, I, I need to be changed by Jesus. 
I need Jesus to speak into every moment of my life. And I need help from others who are able to look at different areas and help me to answer the question, what does Jesus have to do with this? Or how do I see this through the lens of Jesus? And that's a special gift. It's a special calling. It's a special way that the apostles have to do that. Now, going back historically, this brings us back to what we read earlier in our service today, the Apostles' Creed. If you, if, if you can, go back, read that again, or listen to that series that we preached, because the whole idea was it's not just clauses that we read. It's, it's, it's statements that help us to understand our lives being formed by the way of Jesus. Well, why is it called the Apostles' Creed? Well, these essentials of the faith that these apostles taught were eventually formed into statements, placed into a creed called the Apostles' Creed, one clause attributed to each apostle. Now, did each apostle really write a clause of the creed? We don't know. It's unlikely, but there's a possibility that this was the teaching that was passed down from them regardless. But behind that is an idea that is so important. And this is what I don't want us to miss today. Our faith is centered on the way of Jesus. End of story. That's it. Our faith is centered on the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is passed down from those who came before. And it's passed down to those who come next. We severely miss things when we are believe that we are the first people to wrestle with living out the way of Jesus. Something happens when we see that there are those who came before, who sat at the feet of our Lord and Savior, who learned from him and passed it on and passed it on passed it on. The powerful thing is this. Jesus is our resurrected Messiah. Remember I told you the resurrection matters? The resurrection matters because he is alive and he is Lord of our lives. And we sit at the feet of the very much alive Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, we learn and grow Jesus. And then we have a responsibility as people who sit at the feet of the master, at the feet of our Lord Jesus, to pass what we learn on to the next that come after us. We are called to listen to those teaching the way of Jesus. And some are called and equipped to teach today, but all of us are called to share our faith, to guide others towards the way of Jesus. Now, going back to Ephesians, later on, Paul makes a statement. He says this, listen, children, seems like a weird way to go. It's Father's Day, but let's keep reading. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you. You may enjoy a long life on the earth. Then he, then he adds to this, this brilliance of these statements here, these quotes that he's making from the Hebrew scriptures. He goes on, he says this, Fathers, 
Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. As we come into this morning on Father's Day, I think back to this week. I think back to that picture, that mental picture that I took of my girls sitting in that roller coaster, looking back at us with that track going out in front of them. And as I think about that ride, <laughs> as I wear the shirt today of that ride, I think about as you sit in that station, you can see the track. You have no idea where the track is going. And that's really how it is with life. My girls look back at me as they go into this life ahead. Twists and turns that I have no idea what is ahead for them. But someday, here's the reality. They're going to go into this life alone, without me. And my prayer is that they'll look back. They'll look back at the, the, the decisions I made. They'll look back at the things that I chose to do. And I hope that they look back and they see a faith that I showed them. A faith that I learned from my father. Each generation passing it to the next. And I don't know how far back your family tree goes, but it begins here with you today. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, you have a choice today to say, I don't want my kids, I don't want the next generation, I don't want people to go into this journey of this life alone. But to look back and see the faith, the way that I have learned to follow Jesus. And as I say that, I realize that we don't always get it right, and I'm not always going to get it right. Fatherhood is something I've grown into. Fatherhood is something I'm always growing into. But guys, it's the same way with faith. We don't get it right all the time. But here's how we get it right most of the time. We focus on Jesus. If we focus on Jesus, we'll be moving in the right direction and setting the right example for others. So to close, here's my following thoughts about what does it mean that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I hope that all of us, as we follow Jesus, like the early church, that we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, focused on Jesus and the essentials of following Jesus. Because see, if we don't, we allow all kinds of other things to creep into our lives and then into the church because all of us have an influence on this community. See, we can, we can allow everything else to divine, define, everything else to flavor what we believe about what the church is all about. But at the end of the day, the church is about the essentials of Jesus and nothing else. We don't get to form the box and then put Jesus in the box. The box is formed by Jesus. And our lives and our church belong in that box. See, and when we have the foundation of the apostles' teaching... When we look back at the scripture, when we look back at the creed, when we look back at the things that are handed down to us, 
we can face that track in front of us that twists and turns and goes all kinds of different ways. And we can be on a foundation as a church and as a family of God and live in a way that will captivate and impact the world around us in ways that we could never imagine. You know, I think about this a lot because I think about these last couple of years. And I think about a statement that we began making really honestly right before the pandemic. We focused on two simple statements. Love God, love others. And when the pandemic started, we said how in this time, this unique time that none of us have experienced, this this twist in the road that none of us could ever imagined, how do we love God and love others in this moment? Now, did we make up those words? No. No. When Jesus was asked what is the most important commandment, he said, love God, love others. Those disciples sitting around him said, wait a minute, did did he just say this is the most important command? You're going to bet that somebody wrote that down, that somebody said, we better remember this? And so then when people said, what did Jesus teach? The apostles said, hmm, love God, love others. Everything came back to that. And then they began to teach on that foundation. And on that foundation comes all of these incredible things that we learn, like the Apostles' Creed, the Scriptures, all of these these things that they taught us. But it all comes back down to that love God and love others. Guys, it is so critical for us as we go into this future, honestly, an uncertain future. We're not going to make up our own path. We're going to look back and see, what did Jesus teach these people that sat at his feet, that learned from him? And what can we learn from that today? And my role then is to contextualize that and say, what does that look for us here in this moment, here and now? And then we all go forward into this, disciples making disciples making disciples. And if we live like that, if we devote ourselves to that teaching, I do believe we will captivate the world around us as we share the good news of Jesus with our world. And we will change ourselves and change this world in ways that we could never even begin to imagine. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the apostles' teaching. We thank you as we continue to explore and understand that, that we see that it is always pointing us back to the way of Jesus. So Father, help us as we explore the way of Jesus to look back at those who came before us, who sat at the feet of Jesus through all generations and what they have to teach us. And God, help us to see our special calling that we have in our world today to share that good news, and to help the next generation to contextualize, to translate, and to follow Jesus as they go into their lives. It is your name that we pray. Amen.